From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Mandy Gelsman. Hello. And Michaela Narides. Hey there. So we've spent the last month doing Game Spotlight episodes, basically, the 20th Century Classics thing. So for our Game Spotlight this month, instead of doing a single game, we're going to do a genre of games, collectible games. These are games where you buy a pack of random things and open it up and use those as part of your collection to play stuff. The one that most people know about is Magic the Gathering. came out in 1993, and later in the 90s, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! came out. The scene kind of exploded. Uh, at first, nobody knew what to do with this idea. Uh, the first solicitation from the major game distributors to Wizards of the Coast, the company that published Magic, came back for like one box of starters and mm. zero boosters. Uh, this was going to be an epic, massive flop, considering the amount of money they had to put out to, to, to put these things together. And then Gen Con happened, and Magic exploded. And since then, it's become the most profitable mode of selling games ever devised. Yes. It's massive. So, uh, Mikhail, do you have, have you played uh, CCGs? Yeah, I've actually had a lot of experience playing CCGs. Um, What's your, what's your my, favorites? In my wayward youth, I've played uh, Magic the Gathering, I've played Pokemon, I've played, uh, I've dabbled in Yu-Gi-Oh a little bit even. Um, of the ones I've played, I really enjoy some of the ones that didn't really uh, succeed on the main market, just because they don't have uh, the sheer brand power. I there was a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of um, a glut back a in the 90s. A huge right? glut back in the late 90s. Um, in fact, um, a lot of um, periodicals came out like covering all those magazines and since right. defunct, of course. Um, but uh, I really like the Marvel Versus CCG. Mm. Uh, it had a very cool mechanic. Um, I'm not sure how many of our listeners are familiar with Magic the Gathering, but uh, you need land in order to play anything. Yeah, there's certain kinds of cards that you put into your... Actually, we should probably explain how the, uh, the overall thing works, but yeah. say you need, there's certain cards that you use which give you permission to play other cards. Yes, correct. Um, Marvel Versus had a very elegant way of solving that problem, in which um, you could lay any card you had as a resource, if mm. you will. And uh, it would deprive you of being able to play that card for its effects, but you would be able to always play the cards that you had in your hand yeah, by that, sacrificing other ones. That turned up in other games later, uh, mm-hmm. stuff like San Juan or uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yes. So, uh, Mandy, do you have any idea what the heck we're talking about? None whatsoever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, let's let's sort of fill you in here. So I think the closest I ever came to collecting the cards was baseball cards in 1993. Well, this is actually in some ways not that different from okay. that. Pretty similar. Uh, imagine if you could uh, collect these cards with art and you know, really nice pictures and so on on them, um, but you could also use them to play a game. Okay. So you don't use your entire collection when you're playing though. What you do is you'll pick a certain number of them, like 40 of them or 60 of them, and you'll use those to create a deck. And your friends will do the same thing with their collections of cards. And you'll all sit down around the same table, and you'll start playing using the deck that you brought with you. And you have no idea what the other players have with them, and they don't know what you've brought with you. And part of the game is sort of sussing out what the other players are trying to do, how they're going to try to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a stroke of either genius or pure maleficent evil, uh, the originators of Magic the Gathering came up with this notion of printing more copies of some cards than others. So some cards are common, uncommon, or rare. And often, the rare cards are the ones that have the most dramatic effects. Yes. So this created a system <laughs> whereby people have to chase these rares and buy an enormous amount of cards. Mm-hmm. This, that was what made this thing so ridiculously prof- profitable. They would stuff like, oh, they made Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Marvel and DC, Harry Potter, Power Rangers, 
basically uh, anything. That pretty, yeah. License for. Oh, this explains uh, a former Snakes employee came in with a binder of cards, and it was almost like a secret drug deal, but it was for a Magic <laughs> the Gathering card. Right. Yep. It's Some of those cards are worth a lot. Oh, yeah, like in the thousands of dollars now. Yeah, wow. like a, a Black Lotus from way back in the day would run. or what have you. Yeah. 4,000 or so, I think. It's kind of ridiculous how that works. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, the thing is that people played with these things at first having no idea they were going to be valuable. Mm-hmm. So they'd be on the schoolyard playing these cards without plastic sleeves on them or anything. Uh, on the concrete. Oh, wow. Scuffing up the backs. Yeah. It's uh, kind of ridiculous that way, but yeah, this this is something that, that became huge, much like the old comic books from uh, from the golden age. As uh, people didn't realize they're going to be valuable, so the ones that are in good shape from back then are crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. So even though I, I don't really have any idea how this would even be played or or how anything of it works, but it does. Well, there's, remi- there's lots of different ones. They play in different ways. It does it's... remind me to an extent of, of I play a lot of World of Warcraft, and I still do. Um, and you are, you know, trolling dungeons and grinding them to get gear, and you kill all these people, and each time, you know, you'll get, you know, your basic, I guess, equivalent of cards. Mm. But every once in a while, you'll get that piece of equipment that you need that makes your staff super powerful. <laughs> so I can definitely understand the appeal of, like, buying packs just to get those special cards. It's, it's definitely a relatable, easy, transferable mechanic. Yeah, even the, the little symbol that goes on the magic cards indicating... That right. this is a mythic rare. rare. The oldest kind is the same color as the legendary items yes. in WoW. Yeah, it's, oh, like, it's like orange. Blue. Oh. Mm. Mm. So uh, it's, it, it, the difference is that instead of spending time, you're spending money. Yeah, therein lies the danger. So is that, is that something that would appeal to you? I don't know, because I, 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 as my addiction to World of Warcraft suggests, I'm easily <laughs> like get into that, so I would waste a lot of money. Well, maybe not waste, but <laughs> I would spend, spend a lot, a lot of money. money. Do you think it, um, let's see, what about the idea of having a limited collection of cards or whatever? There's also, they had miniatures games like this as well. WizKids had a game called Hero Clicks, mm-hmm. where you had little superheroes and you would buy those in random packs too, so you wouldn't know if you were going to get Spider-Man or Wolverine or whatever in a pack. Uh, does the, and you'd form a team with this, the same way as you build a deck with these. Does, does the idea of building a custom deck of cards or strategy before you even hit the table? Oh, yeah, definitely it is appealing. Because uh, a lot of time with games, you know, you get your cards and it's predetermined by the game. And this, you get to tailor make the game for you. It, it is certainly appealing. I can see that. Now, the metagame is also something that's... It's uh, huge, yeah. Um, depending on what's popular, you uh, cater your deck to uh, combat against it. Um, huge thing in any sort of uh, card game that allows you to come pre-prepared with um, something of your own creation. Um, Pretty interesting stuff. You have, you have to decide what to prepare for is yeah. the thing, and depending on what's popular in your area, your mm. local metagame, mm. you sort of have to customize based on that. And you can also have nasty surprises for particular people. Like if you, you know if your friend Dave always likes to bring a deck full of red cards with fireballs and lightning bolts that burn things, and you just show up with a deck that protects against damage from red, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you might not be that good against anybody else, but you know you're going to beat Dave. You're going to beat Dave real hard. Um, It was interesting initially because I believe that the designers of Magic originally intended for the game to be balanced by its rarity. Mm -hmm. So people would buy a finite amount of cards and they would only get so much of a particular card that was more powerful than the other ones, which would be rare, of course. Um, 
I guess what they didn't really account for is that people would just continue to buy more, and more exactly. cards yeah. as much as possible. They underestimated the obsessive nature Definitely. of people who play these games. Or maybe games. they planned that the all best. along. <laughs> Possible. It might have been the evil genius thing, or it might have been the genuinely thought, well, if you travel to another town, you hear legends about that one player who's got an ancestral recall in his deck. It's like, oh, I must get one of those. Actually, going to get to see it, but no, it's, it's it, it actually did turn into this sort of escalating arms race, mm-hmm. of spending more money to get better cards, and it evolved into this very deadly serious tournament scene. Yes, where people play for what's the prize for pro tour these days? Uh, like tens of thousands of dollars, I believe. Holy moly! There are professional magic players. Yes, indeed. Um, it's uh kind of. Degenerated into, or I'm not sure what the term. Or refined. Refined. Not certain, but um, yeah, to the point where if you want to be competitive at a collectible card game like Magic: The Gathering, for example, you would need to spend hundreds of hundreds of dollars of cards. Mm. Um, just a, a land base alone, like the cards you need to play other cards, can run in like multiple hundreds of dollars. Yeah, um, it's. Pretty bizarre, and not only that, but there is a built-in obsolescence to the cards. In it's that. true; they rotate them out. Yes, uh, indeed. They keep introducing new sets, and in order to make sure that old cards don't just stay forever in the scene, they rotate them out. So any card that was published more than two years ago is no longer legal for standard tournament play. Oh, so you keep spending? Yes. And also, wow. well, on the one hand, yes, that is evil. <laughs> but on the other hand, it also means that the metagame keeps evolving and changing, True. which makes the game experience more compelling. Yes. Now, there obviously has to be strategy. It's not just about what cards, it's how you play them. Oh, good gracious, yes. Okay, yes. I was going to say, you can't just be a guy who has like amazing cards, but just be horrible at the game. Nope, nope. Okay. Just well, throwing together a deck of randomly powerful cards is a great way to lose. Mm. Good to know. Okay. They have to have synergies together, and you have to know when to play them and uh, when to hold back. That said, the person who has... Uh, more powerful cards and the other assuming the same skill level is generally going to win more often right. yeah that's it, it's definitely a part of it um it's also part of the reason why so-called limited play is a big thing the idea with uh, with limited play is that uh, there's there's two forms limited and constructed constructed is what we've been talking about you have your collection you build your cards limited play everybody shows up with no cards mm-hmm. and you all buy some of these foil booster packs and it might be like a draft for example you all open one up pick one to keep past the rest of the player on your left Right. And you do this with a group of like eight people. Ah. And you'll do this to alternating passing left and right. Once you've opened your three packs, you put together a deck of about 40 cards and you fight. Oh, I like that. It's very cool. Um, similar to Seven Wonders, if mm. that's relatable. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. If you play board games and you've enjoyed Seven Wonders, then that's, that's where this sort of came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, worth mentioning, though, that it also costs money. Of course it does. <laughs> Every time you sit down to play, you But it can be a good way to build your collection for Constructed, is to yes. play a lot of Limited. That way you get some fun opening it, and you also get some fun from, uh, from playing it. Um, my friend Eric, a friend of the Snakes cast, has uh, actually described the essence of the appeal of, of these collectible games as, as opening up a booster pack, looking through the cards, seeing one, <gasps> oh my god, and immediately shuffling it into your deck, turn to your friend and say, okay, let's play right now. Yep. You have to admire it in the pack first, though. Of course. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fairly obvious, but why are these games not available at Snakes, just for everyone? Um, primarily because of cost. They're, it's hard to create like a kind of um, exemplary play experience um, for our patrons without breaking the bank on stuff. Um, I suppose that we could, in fact, like get starter sets, and that, that like presents the game at its most uh, rudimentary. 
but in order to do so seems like it would detract from like the experience of board games like ccgs are they an entirely different beast altogether uh same with miniatures same and with i imagine game. certain cards would disappear if they were <laughs> yeah good. That, that might happen yeah. as well. it's uh, entirely a possibility the uh the other thing too is that because they rotate these things out and new stuff comes in all the time if you wind up with unsold merchandise Mm. then that's bad for business. All right for mm-hmm. sales, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you wind up with stuff that's, uh, that's just out. Uh, the other thing, too, is the secondary market. Uh, people who've bought their cards buying stuff from other people who've bought their cards is, is a huge part of it uh, because, well, they call it a collectible card game for a reason. People mm-hmm. like to collect them. Originally, they were called TCGs, trading card games, because the idea was that people were going to trade, trade them, yep. and they still do. And, uh, again, Snakes isn't really the ideal environment for that. So if I wanted to try a game like this, but I didn't want to invest all the money in the world, I suppose like deck builder games like Dominion or Lord of the Rings would be sure. like a good yeah, starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of a concept of creating your own customized um, thing that you're bringing to the to playing field, I suppose. Uh, Dominion is a great example, actually, because uh, the designer, uh, Donald Baccarino, is a huge fan of Magic the Gathering. Uh, in fact, if you look at his, some of his playtest art, it's all like Magic the Gathering art. <laughs> um, it's, he wanted to kind of capture the same experience of building a deck and uh, having it work or um, go off, I suppose, is the colloquial term for it. Um, and I think Dominion does a really great job of doing that, all condensed into like a nice little 20, 30 minute experience. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the bit where you build your deck ahead of time is actually in the game. Yeah, definitely. So it's all part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ton of deck building games out there for us. If you want, if you like Marvel Versus, then there's Marvel Legendary, mm-hmm. and also Marvel Dice Masters. Ooh. Yeah, Marvel Dice Masters is a thing that really kind of got me in a way I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to. I mean, uh, when you hear about that a game is collectible, you know, it's like this is a thing that happens on BoardGameGeek.com sometimes. Uh, new games coming out, you know, popular designer, popular subject, and oh, it's collectible, and they collectively go. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that would... Is that something that would drive you away from a game if you had to collect the bits to play it? Sometimes, because it, sometimes it just seems like it might be a cop-out to get people to spend money. But, I mean, that if there's definitely a great... Yeah. Huge, huge like, if it's a great game, then no. Then if someone tells me it's an awesome game and it's collectible, then it doesn't really matter. I may need to introduce you to Marvel Dice Masters. <laughs> they look so pretty, don't? Those dice yeah. are so bright and colorful. They are, they are shiny. Very nice dice. And, and the booster packs, the full booster packs. Sick. You get you get two yeah. bright, shiny dice oh. and two matching cards right. for 99 such cents. A, such a low price. 99 Uh-oh. cents. It's yeah. just such a hit to your store. I'll take one. Oh, I'll put it up. Oh, I got this. Um, oh, give me another one. Yeah, another Yes. It's just, oh, it's, it's dangerous. Well, it's a, um, a lot of it is also because it's the Marvel IP, right? That's yeah. true. And of course, they're doing it with DC. Mm-hmm. They're doing it with Yu-Gi-Oh! They're doing it with Dungeons and Dragons now. Mm-hmm. Are they? Is it all uh, cross? Can you play uh, yep. Batman versus Spider Man? Batman versus Wolverine or oh, Spider Man? That's, wow. that's, that's great. Amazing. That's yeah. totally going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there are others coming. WizKids is going to milk this thing as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm going to be there. <laughs> I have my wallet open. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we don't carry these things at Snakes and Lattes. But if you are curious about a very unique and interesting way of playing, uh, that, and collectible games are something that might be worth looking into for you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Till next time, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Mandy Gelsma and Mikhail Anarides. Game on. Game on. Game on. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.